This podcast is about spoilers and discussion. It's also about spooky stuff. You know, any film that we talk about here, we recommend you see in advance. You've been warned. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. What an excellent day for an exorcism. Horror. There is no shortage of monsters to haunt our dreams. Horror. You got red on you. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Hello everyone and welcome to another brand new episode of Oh the Horror. It's a horror movie podcast where we take a look at classic and modern horror films from an expert and a newcomer's perspective. I'm the newcomer Steve Allman. And I'm the expert Rob Holmes. And today we've got a movie that's kind of been taking uh, a lot of critics by storm and pretty much everybody by surprise. It is Mandy, directed by Panos uh, Cosmatos, I believe. Yeah, yeah, Panos Cos uh, Panos Cosmatos, I think, or something like that. Cosmatosis. I'm not exactly Comatosis. sure. Uh, uh, anyway, yeah, he he directed one other feature. It is Beyond the Black Rainbow, which came out in 2010. It's a very strange movie that I was very hyped up about for for a very long time, and then I finally saw it, and it's it's a very slow burn. Mandy is a two-hour movie that you could potentially boil down into an hour and a half. Beyond the Black Rainbow is essentially like a two-hour movie or something along that that you could boil down into like 45 minutes. It's good, but it's almost like they held on to the shots for way too long. It's like when a cinematographer falls in love with a shot for too, you know, and just sits on it, and the director's like, oh yeah, let's just keep that. Um... That, that well, was would, Beyond the Black agree, Rainbow. I would, yeah, well, I would agree for this case with Mandy, as I have not seen Beyond the Black Rainbow. Yeah. Uh, this movie, uh, I think, first and foremost, is one of absolute style and uncompromised vision. Um, no, absolutely. I, I am, yeah, this, this is definitely that film. I'm blown away with the amount of uh, artistic license and uh, really vision that kind of comes out from him uh Mm -hmm. this movie takes place in the 80s and uh it's a horror film that like is basically borrowing a lot of the cultural pastiche from that from that time period and while we're mainly familiar with how game of thrones not game of thrones how stranger things takes that aesthetic and plays with that into a way that's very familiar and in my opinion kind of played out nowadays where if like a filmmaker or Somebody's trying to capitalize on the 80s nostalgia type of vibe. Uh, just rip off Stranger Things. This... Well, just the, the fact the fact that people keep bringing up Stranger Things as the thing to go off of. And I'm like, all right, well, it, it's it's done in the late 2000, you know, 2015 for season one or something or 2016. It's like, come on, guys. It's based on stuff that already existed. That's all it's doing. It's pulling the best parts of stuff that already exists. Uh, and that's that is what these films are, though, and that's kind of like what what Mandy is. Mandy is that film. Mandy is kind of taking all the best parts of like the '70s and '80s crazy LSD fueled, uh, insane exploitation horror films, and just kind of condensing it into this one movie. Yes, and that's where this movie uh, really differs from that. Uh, aesthetic very 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 well uh, oh, yeah. this movie like it's it like it's it, it's steeped in like 
uh, like eighties and seventies heavy metal culture. Uh, right. There's like there's so many good like vibe. This this movie is the equivalent of like just smoking a big old doobie and listening to some Pink Flo- Like it's about just vibes. <laughs> and, well, th- I mean this this is basically like so beyond the black rainbow, which. You know, that took forever to come out, so it varies between, like, 2010 and 2012 when it finally made its way to wherever in the world, you know? Um, That movie, it also takes place in 1983, so they both take place in the same year. I think they take place in the same kind of world, uh, but both deal with taking a lot of LSD. So it's definitely a product of the times... um, in the time frame of where it takes place, like it's building this world in this universe. Um, Cause a lot of people probably don't know beyond the black rainbow. And the difference I think mainly between these two films is that while, as I said, beyond the black rainbow takes forever and it's these super long shots, Mandy does have long shots, but I feel like it's put together. It, it's very well put together this time around. Like, I think, I think it's, it's been, it's been honed, that style that he's going for has been almost perfected and very quickly too because Beyond the Black Rainbow is not a terrible film it's a very low budget film Uh, I think it was like a one million dollar budget and in this one it was a six million dollar budget and you can see there's definitely a variance in it you can see like he didn't have to pull any punches or you know edit himself down from anything he wanted to do he was able to put it all on the screen and he does like there you can tell this movie was going to come out unrated and not really go to theaters or if it did go to theaters like not have to deal with the traditional censor boards because this movie is just batshit crazy it is and i i really feel like this is the type of movie that uh it's a love letter to the movies that never got made it past the censor board. Uh, oh yeah. And still, and still wants to uh, pay homage to all of those great types of films that like that come before it as well yeah. as just, the, I don't know. I, I keep getting really kind of stunned at how like this movie, like kind of li- lists away and then pulls back my attention at every turn. And it's and it's a good thing that I mean this, where I kind of just get... There are moments and sequences in this movie where there would be these long, protracted, just, like, dialogue scenes or uh, a character would be just pontificating or really relishing in some sort of moment or the movie would be stopped for a certain sort of intimate moment. And then again, you, you, there would be the scene transition where it kind of takes you out of it again and then uh, pulls it back to something that you don't really know is connected and then it's it slowly good. This is a very ethereal movie. I, I really have, like, I'm having trouble trying to accurately describe this movie because when we come to the later aspects of the movie, it gets insane. But the beginning yeah, I mean, of it, this it, is really, it's really methodical. It's very moody. It's uh, trippy yeah. in a lot of ways. Well, well, there's some interesting stuff about this film because... As, I, as I'm watching it and I'm like, wow, this is a very moody film. It, it's definitely creating an atmosphere and going with that. And on those moments where I'm like, man, this is really long and drawn out, it's the drug stuff and the cult aspect of things that really help to fully um, develop that mood in that world where I'm drawn into it. And even though it is like you're going along for this kind of LSD ride in this film, mm-hmm. Um and I guess we can kind of just like delve into what you know what what the movie is about. 
Yeah, and honestly, I I know this movie's in theaters t- uh, currently, and it may or may not be getting that much play uh, with regular audience audiences at the box office. Because I don't even know if I want to spoil this movie too much or really talk about uh, the like bigger elements of this movie. Because I think overall, this is something that already needs to be seen. Like I, I could easily get a recommendation out of the way, and I think from you as well. Yeah, no, absolutely, and I think I think Mandy is one of those films that I, I think we definitely need to discuss it a little bit. I don't think we need to go into into extreme detail of of a lot of stuff. We can actually come back to that maybe in a few months once enough people have processed it to really go into the deeper meanings beyond everything in Mandy, because this is a film that demands a rewatch, multiple rewatches, probably. I would say also with Beyond the Black Rainbow, knowing that they take place both in 1983. And in the way that they're set and the way that he has the the way he makes the the camera lenses look like that style of filmmaking that they do for it, um, you know, where the, the lens has that like that kind of like uh, glossy coat to it, you know what I mean? Or it's like faded out a bit. Um, it, it's this really cool look uh, that I that it that encapsulates both of these films encapsulates these movies that make it look like it really was you know was filmed in those years like it was it was made in the 80s or it was made in the 70s and it's supposed to be the future you know and it's like 1983 um and this film i think in particular really goes off the rails because it's very referential there are so many references made in this film um you know, you have a lot of, like, Road Warrior, Mad Max type stuff that's going on in this movie. Uh, Absolutely. I, I, mean, it's, I think, the, yeah. I think the, the color palette of this movie is wild. Um, anytime right. that you see, like, I, there, I'm, I'm, like, there are a few shots in specific. Like, this movie has amazing shots. Uh, right. But I think the color correction and the post-processing editing on this movie oh, is yeah. probably a master class in how to uh, give a movie a unique color scheme. Uh, I, I recall anytime that you see like a skyline yeah. like with against a mountain, it's just like this wild swirling orange color that's mm-hmm. clearly like done after the fact, but it looks unearthly. Like it looks like, the, again, like a 80s metal album cover, yeah. Uh, but like tried to re- be recreated in the real world. It's absolutely mind-blowing. Well, it's very like Argento on crack basically. If you were to take if you were to take the idea of the Argento fever dream and give it more of a fantasy element, that's exactly what you have with this. Um, and it's very so there are other references too like when she uh so uh, Mandy is seen a few times in dreams in in a cartoon, right? Like she's animated in in a couple of different moments, and each animation is very different and it kind of evolves throughout the film. But she's reaching into this creature at one point and pulls out this like green, uh, like emerald, you know, glowing jewel, this orb thing, right? Um, and that is very if you've ever seen the movie Heavy Metal from 1981. Oh, it, it, it's straight out of Hedy Bean. Oh my god, the whole thing ties together. And then when I'm watching this, I start thinking, holy crap, this is like if if heavy metal came to life in a live-action form. Like if we're it's, watching one of the stories from heavy metal turned into a live-action. Yeah, and I, I, I don't think, like none of this feels unearned. It doesn't feel like it's ripping off of something. It no, feels like it's no, literally it, it, cut it, from the exact same cloth. But it makes me very excited when I see it. Instead of some, you know, sometimes when you see that stuff, you're like, oh, 
Jesus. And then it's very exciting in this type of situation, though. Like, when I see it in this type of movie, I'm like, oh, this is great, instead of it being like, oh, God, you guys are ripping this stuff off. Stop ripping off good things. Instead, it's like paying homage to really amazing things, but you kind of have to be in the know for some of the references. Uh, but like again, the... it, it's it's so wildly uh, animated, like to yeah. point a phrase, for its, uh, for its aesthetic. Not just these animated sequences, but a, a lot of things that just happen in the movie. Like we, like we get a sequence of Nicolas Cage forging an axe. And right. I, I don't think I have seen a weapon forging scene uh, more iconic since like Iron Man. I think like oh this yeah, is it, it's it's pretty amazing. And this 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 axe is he's been having this prepped already, and then his bow, like his crossbow that he just goes to go pick up, like that thing was a beast. Like and it's and called he, the, really he calls it he calls it the Reaper. He goes to meet up um, with with the dude from Predator. Uh, who who shaves himself like in the entire in yeah, the first yeah, yeah. predator? He always has just the always razor. sweating and has terrible things happen to him. And he's dry shaving with the razor the entire time. Uh, he's in this and he's like, yeah. So you came to pick up the Reaper, and he's like, yeah. And he's like, what's going on? And Cage just goes kind of, you know, Cage in his little moment. But it, it, this this is this is a movie that I think it's it's really great because it's a vessel for Cage to go full Cage. But it's a it's a build up for him to go full cage. They're not just like, hey, you're full cage from the beginning of this, and you're going all the way through. It it pays off extremely well. The payoff for this film and the way they go about it, especially using all of the drugs that he ends up doing, and you know the cult leader ends up doing at the same time, because this Jeremiah Sand dude. Holy shit, man. He is a delusional, failed musician, basically, who says, like, God told him to become this, you know, cult leader, and nothing could hurt him, and people needed to follow him, and they had tainted LSD, and, like, that's how the bikers got created or something, through tainted LSD, and now they want blood, and they're teaming up these different drug factions. Like, this is how it's seen, almost, as drug factions in this weird... Um, Cults, fucking, really like it's... like like LSD, but not LSD, but like Suspir Argento'd Easy Rider. It's like if Argento made Easy Rider, um, and then you know they decided to throw in like Thunderdome and shit like that. It's it's very intense at moments. Uh, I think the chainsaw scene is really cool. It, it evokes a very, like, Texas Chainsaw or, like, a Phantasm Two feel of kind of, like, you know, I have this thing, and someone comes out with a weapon that's, like, twice that size, and it's like, oh, Yeah, shit. and then, like, I'm gonna, yeah, Moment. it's a, it's a, this is a knife kind of a, like, comparison. Yeah, it's and, really, and really it's, great. And, and that's what I think is really fun about this film going throughout is that there's a lot of, like, nice touches and nods here. Nothing ever feels like it's overdone. It's an art piece in on itself. Every frame can be seen as a really cool piece of art, but it never feels like that's all that it is because it's a cohesive film throughout. There are films that I've seen that are, like, in, in frame by frame, this is gorgeous, when you play it together, it is a muddled mess. This is not a muddled mess by any stretch. It's it, by by no stretch of the imagination. And I completely agree with you that uh, this movie is clearly using Nicolas Cage as a tool rather than just Nicolas Cage. Because I feel like uh, this movie wouldn't be the same without Nicolas Cage. Specifically. Well, apparently he... Because, well, that, 
yeah, I mean, he was apparently approached to play the the leader, Jeremiah Sand. He wanted to, well, he wanted to play Red. He was like, I don't want to do that. I want to play Red. And the director wasn't really feeling it and left. And then Elijah Wood is a producer on the film. Right, and, yeah. like, they ran into each other, I guess, later on. And it just ended up, it just ended up working. Like, through Elijah Wood kind of, I guess, being this uh, intermediary, it, it all came together. And that's why we have him in this role. And I think it's such a great role, though, and especially when he when he does get to go fully crazy. And you realize, like, yeah, he cuts down trees, a logger, basically, for a living, which is why he has that. But he also does metal work. He does all sorts of crazy shit. But him yeah, making that axe, you're like, oh, it kind of makes sense. You cut down trees. This is strange, but I could see it being, like, a dream project thing. And then the crossbow is just like, holy shit, this is cool. With those arrows that can cut through bone. Oh, yeah, like, this, this is, which is, this is really so grisly and gruesome. Uh, but yeah. I, I think, but like again, I feel like Nicolas Cage is kind of the cornerstone to this movie's madness, and I think no better role could have been played. Like I, I could see him as being the cult leader, but it would be too over the top. There needed to be like some serious, subdued tones that comes yeah. out from the from that character. Well, the guy they got to play it is actually like a cult leader. He's like an actor. He's an actor, but technically he's a cult leader as well. I mean, he looks like the kind of guy that would be in a cult. I'm not seeing anything that he directly says that he had joined a cult. I don't know, man. It says, I I found some stuff that says he's the cult leader for a cult named Enlighten Next. And he's been with them since 1994 and runs operations for them. Interesting. I've only seen that he has done some episodes of Law and Order SVU. That's <laughs> you know. I'm not gonna tell a man how to live. Not in 2018. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna I tell certainly... a man how to live. But but if that's true, that's such a weird comparison. But I could totally see a director being like, "This is who I'm finding for this role. See how well it fits," and then doing an extreme version because essentially something that's called Enlightened Next might not necessarily be. They obviously would not pro- probably advertise themselves as a cult. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, exactly. It's a, it's more of a, a group or something. They're, mm-hmm. they're kind of one of those things. Right, right. Um, but anyway, yeah, this movie this movie is just out there. Um, the first time you see it, you know, a lot of people are going to expect it to go right to action right away. They're expecting a John Wick style movie where, you know, someone is taken away from them. They're gonna oh, they get will revenge. be sorely mistaken if that's the case. Right. Because, and I'll say this, you know, we do spoilers on this, and most people will have seen this film, hopefully, but, you know, just in case, it takes about an hour of this two-hour movie for, for there to, to be maybe get even, those engines revved, yeah. For there to even be the idea of, hey, maybe I'm going to get revenge. Now, that being said, the scenes that lead up to that aren't really drawn out in the way that you would expect a film like this to normally draw them out, you know what I mean? Like, very exploitation-esque. This was more, it was... Sorry, I would ra- I would rarely call this movie dull. I, w- I don't think I would call mm-hmm. it dull, but I think it would be, it's no, very it's much laying... It's, ve- it's laying tone, it's it's basking in its own... It's, I wouldn't say it's masturbatory, but it's kind of... Mm. It's 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 feeling itself a bit. I mean, I it's say. definitely going. It's a slow burn, right? So this yes. movie, this movie is essentially you know a giant build up for Nicolas Cage to finally you know lose his shit and get revenge, and and go full Cage, like fully uncage himself uh, from reality. And there's you know a big drug scene that involves a lot of that because he's basically of the mind of fuck it, I don't care, let's go all the way. Um, 
especially when he finds that jar just sitting there. That's the shit that got me. He finds a jar sitting on a counter between all this other garbage inside of the, the house of, I guess, the, the, um, the biker gang group. He opens it up, and it's this, like, gel paste or whatever, which it's, it's very much what... It's something. Um, he dips his finger in it and tries it. Yeah, that's, like, concentrated acid, man, or concentrated LSD. Like, real... Just probably a hundred doses on his finger or something like that. Oh, yes. Insane it, like, amount. It, it's barbecue sauce levels of, <laughs> like... It, 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 lo yeah. it looks like something that was made in-house. Clearly. Dude, it looks like it looks like someone put petroleum jelly in a thing and was like, "This is it," and you're like, "Holy shit, man! What the hell did you brew up?" Um, and he just tries it, and then you know, from there, it doesn't matter if he's putting a handful of cocaine in his face or whatever; he doesn't care. Uh, he just needs that extra upper for certain things. Which I, um, I love. I love the conceit that the movie thinks that in order for Nicolas Cage to be Nicolas Cage, he needs to do a bunch of drugs. That it's like they're, they're just somehow holding well, him back. I, I, I don't think it's. I don't think it's him. I think it's the character of Red. You know, like I, if I you understand. see him in the yeah. way. If you see him in the way that he is with Mandy, Mandy is his everything. She means everything to him. It is the only reason that he exists is because of her. And watching them together is amazing. Like, I love their dynamic. And when you see Mandy, you know, she's nothing in, in tradition, you know, in traditional, I guess, looks terms. She's nothing special, but there's something about her that people are very drawn to. You know, she well, draws yes. people and, and towards her. And the movie really wants to run that home, that, like, that she is special, that she is uh, kind of the linchpin to everything. Oh that, man, she is going and she, on with this with this plot. Dude, she's awesome. Like, I just love I mean, cause there's a scene, you know, they dose her up with drugs and the guy tries to like get her to, I guess, have sex with him, and then she just laughs her ass off at him. She just mocks him and makes him feel so insignificant because he was hyping him up, sell himself up with this monologue about how awesome he was and how God gave him these powers and he could do whatever he wanted to. And I know everything. it's and just, so good. And and he just like gets naked in front of her and is trying to get her to you know like have sex with him and she just thinks it is the most ridiculous thing. And at first she's laughing and then it's this mockery laugh, this bitter mockery laugh at him, and it's crushed and it is this. It's it's such an amazing moment in the movie. It is absolutely awesome because instead of there being fear, she's turning this the tables on him so hard, and all of his disciples like see this, and it's it's the ultimate you know slap in the face to somebody with that fragile of an ego to begin with. Oh um, yes, it was so, it was so good because oh. it, because every like because she got her moment when it came to that like that's for sure. and, and, yeah because you knew it wasn't gonna go well pretty much for Mandy anyway no, no, going no. into this. And just the fact that she's like, yeah, I know how this is going to go, but fuck you, you know? And it was, it was awesome. And then, you know, there's, there's the, the moment that changes red forever, which I think the way that that was done, it left a little bit of ambiguity of what actually happened, but you know what happened. Um, I mean, you know, you know what happened, but there was hope of maybe, maybe that's not who's inside, you know what I mean? Like, maybe, uh, it was someone else, and it was a trick, and, you know, but that, no, that wasn't how this film was gonna go at all. <laughs> no, and, it wasn't, uh, and I think, I think to get to our finale here, yeah, in, uh, yeah, in summation, I think 
it's a, it's quite a literal barn burner, I would say. <laughs> like, oh yeah, uh, but I mean, really, it's it, it's this it's this amazing like. I would say some of the kills at the end are kind of fast, like when he goes to get his revenge against this cult. It, it, it's over kind of quickly, I would say, for a few of them. Then it goes on a little longer and kind of, you know, it has its moments. But that ramp up, man, that ramp up right towards we get to the right as we get at the end. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, um, mm. I, I think I think it's the uh, I, I certainly felt satisfied, uh, I would say, because. Yeah, the absolutely. Slow burn to just. Boom, we're here. Uh, yeah. It's like the movie takes several turns and there's a lot of uh, visual markers and cues that bring a lot of such good style to this oh, movie yeah. that I can't, I really cannot emphasize enough. Like this, like if there is anything over substance, it is style here uh, because I, I like yeah. at the end of the day, I feel like this seems to be a rather standard story. Like oh no! It, it's 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 your basic revenge tale, right? It, there's nothing, there's nothing uh, different about this. You know, it's a guy going here. He goes and meets the drug dealer, and that scene in itself was just crazy. Like meeting the drug manufacturer, and then having like the tiger scene. I'm like, what? What is ha this? Is all right? Cool. We're just doing this. Okay. Mm. Um, I I then, seriously it, like like. I was floored by how good the movie looked by the end. Right. And that's where, you know, as you're watching this, you're like, all right, it's hitting all the beats that it would normally hit for this type of film, but it's doing it on, in a way that is just very satisfying. It's not pulling any punches. It's doing exactly, you know, what the director wanted. You know, this, this is his story that he is trying to tell. And damn, man, he's, he's doing it. I'm really glad that they were able to get a solid budget for it. Six million for a film like this is a lot for, for a movie that is just this um, much of an art house piece, you know? It is, and it really does, like, I don't even think of a budget when I see a movie like this. I'm just like, oh, they just made a movie. And it didn't, money didn't seem to matter, but... Uh, as we all know, like, that very much does matter. And, oh, yeah. Uh, I the, mean, the and stuff it works really well. The stuff that this movie pulls off for six million dollars is astronomical. Like, well, that's that's like, almost can... like, yeah. I would I would love to see this director get six million, be able to remake Beyond the Black Rainbow, fully do it the way he wanted it to be, and and see it that way. Because I, I feel like with the budget he had, there were some limitations that, given now, it, I I would actually really love to see it with the polish that he he put on it with Mandy. Oh, briefly, and we're, we don't we're not going to spoil anything. But hold, can we just talk that ending like that? Those oh my final God, moments, so good. just go. Those yeah. you have to. I mean, yeah, those final endings are the, the the final moments of that ending are just so damn good. It really wraps everything up very nicely. I felt very satisfied at the end of this film understanding that I've gone on this character's journey as insane as it may be as much like of a fear and loathing in Las Vegas meets you know oh for sure like it's never like we know what movies yeah. these, this movie pulls from but again it doesn't matter oh, because it's God, completely yeah. earned it's completely it's so good deserved. man yeah so I mean that obviously this is a wholehearted recommended film like we recommend this film completely uh no question Wholeheartedly. Um, uh, one of the yeah. one of the weirdest and coolest movies that has probably come out this year. Yeah, I mean, by far, and it's something nice to see. You know, it's a little bit... Uh, it's refreshing to see a film that can actually have, you know, A-list star in it that can be totally insane, critically regarded, and doing very well, 
I know on the international scene, it's this movie is just killing it. Oh, this this is sure... very well regarded of a movie, and uh, yeah. I'm surprised because I feel like with a lot of contemporary critics, this would pr this film seems like I thought that this would seem pretentious to some critics. I feel like this movie could be seen as uh, something like. Kind of just uh, kind of up its own ass a little bit, which I, you, you I, would I would think, get. right? I would you understand. Would, yeah, you, I would you understand would think, that criticism. But that's that is not the case. I mean, this movie's killing it on Rotten Tomatoes. We're looking at um, like a ninety. I don't know. As of right now, it has like a ninety-three. It, it, the critics' ratings are higher than the audience score, which makes sense because I could totally see the audience going in thinking it's going to be something completely different. And a lot of them being disappointed because they just want something that is by the numbers. Uh, you know, Nicolas Cage pushed to 11. I think this is Nicolas Cage pushed to 11, but I, I think it, this is very much by the numbers story-wise, but not by the numbers anything else. Uh, no, absolutely not. Um, and if you want, if you really want to break from something that's been traditional or uh, outside of the box uh, for the, the anything that's come out like this year or that you've been seeing on Netflix or otherwise... Uh, this is something different. This is something yeah, that's and, good. And, yeah, I mean, it's, it's now. I don't want to. Oh man, because I feel like I feel like I've overhyped this a bit. Okay, <laughs> let me state it like this: I was not disappointed with this film at all. It was a lot of fun. I had a good time with it. I would like to watch it again. There's more layers to it than you would expect a film like this to have, so the rewatchability is there. The fact that it takes place in a universe makes me actually want to revisit the director's previous work that I wasn't actually that big of a fan of because of how much I liked this. So it's not going to... I don't know if it's going to change the game completely, but I will say this is a fantastic inclusion in the genre and kind of in its own weird subgenre. Absolutely. I, I like. I'm not saying that this is Academy Award worthy, or if it's even. Uh, I mean, maybe this 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 could deserve some awards for some stuff. But uh, I think that um, this is something that it. W this is the type of different in movies that I welcome so much. Yeah. Because uh, this is clearly a director with a emboldened vision and uh somebody that wanted to support it and pretty much got all of the things that he wanted like you you said that like you want to see the movie that this guy wanted to make i have no doubt that this is the movie that this director wanted to make and uh, everything here seems like a perfectly uh focused albeit uh meandering vision like you may yeah. think that this movie wanders a bit but this is a deliberate uh move in style and uh basically world-class filmmaking like honestly i can't really say that enough yeah i mean i as i've said you know you, you know my thoughts on this film um so if you haven't seen it please see it if you have seen it and you would like us to talk about it you know further let us know uh maybe we can you know revisit this down the road with a couple of other films that kind of are in the same vein and dig a little deeper into into some of the themes that that are that are present in this movie Absolutely. I would love to do a deep dive on this, but in, it, on the off chance that you haven't seen it, please see it. Uh, we would yeah. love to see what people think about it. But yeah, so that is going to do it for us this week on Oh the Horror. What have we got in the pipeline next week, Rob? Uh, so we are actually going to look at Michael Doherty's Trick or Treat. This is one of my favorite horror anthologies of all time. Uh, I don't know why we haven't covered it yet. 
But being that we are going to be getting into October, you know, we might as well start it out in the beginning because I don't want to wait until the end and have us, you know, have it overshadowed by something else again this year. Uh, it's it's awesome. If you haven't seen it, watch it now. Um, you know, if you can't find it on streaming services, just buy it on Blu-ray. It's that good. Absolutely. And uh, thank you again so much for listening. Uh, we are Oh the Horrorcast. Uh, mm-hmm. You can find us on Facebook, wherever you can find podcasts, Stitcher, iTunes, all that stuff. Give us a review if you like it so much. We really, really appreciate it. It helps the show so much. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, at Oh the Horrorcast, and at Oh the Horrorcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And thank you guys so much for listening. But until next time, I'm Steve Allman. And I'm Rob Holmes. And we'll see you next time. Look at me, Damien. It's all for you. Now, it is time to keep your appointment with the Wicker Man. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk.